Dear Unexpected Entrepreneurs, this podcast is for you. Whether you have an idea, are starting or scaling up, this is the place for those who have already walked the path to share their top three pieces of advice to you, our unexpected entrepreneurs. Summit is here to champion unexpected entrepreneurs, the folk who are experts in their sector and have ambitious goals to innovate. Their goal wasn't to always build a business, but to fill a need and improve the sector they're passionate about. Today, we're joined by Pete. Say hello, Pete. Hello, Pete. Hello. And uh, why don't you tell us a little bit, Pete? Two P's, double P. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and um, and what, what you're up to? Uh, hello. Yeah, thanks for having me on this. Uh, this is pretty awesome. So um, my name is Pete. I used to run an IT company. I now run like a video marketing content creation business slash YouTube channel at the end of the day. Um, and I'm also doing kind of a bit of coaching on the back of selling my old business of helping other people to run their businesses as well. But uh, yeah, very much an unexpected entrepreneur, um, as you will put it. Nice. So what year did you exit your, your business? It was Tekka's IT, right? It was, yes. Yeah. So it was Tekka's IT Solutions, started in 2011, sold in 2020, literally two weeks before the UK lockdown happened. So it was kind of perfectly timed, but obviously you couldn't really time that kind of thing. Mm. Amazing. So you exited and then you essentially... Did you then just have time to kind of try out a bunch of things and see where it settled? And obviously you've settled on, on YouTube and you said coaching and, and YouTube is going particularly well. Um, like it was a case of just, let's just try a bunch of things, which I enjoy uh, and see if you can kind of make a career out. Yeah, it was, it's one of those weird things because we, we were running like techers for, you know, it was like eight years we were running the IT business for. And very much with that business, I was like in it every single day. It was like, it's my whole life. You know, it's the first thing you think about when you wake up. It's the last thing you think about when you go to sleep. And like after being so embedded in a company, we just kind of we, we got to a phase where I was just like, yeah, I just I just can't see myself doing this for another like decade or more, you know, till traditional retirement. And so I didn't really have any plans on what to do next. It was just like, I can see this isn't my passion anymore. So let's just kind of let's put an end to this one and then let's move on to the next thing, whatever that might be. And the, the original plan was to sell the business have a lovely like six months holidays and enjoy time with the family and the kids and all those kind of things. And obviously none of that happened because of COVID there was no holidays or anything. Um, we still had a good time. I mean, it was still, you know, lovely spending time with the, the family and probably too much time with the kids overall. But um, yeah, there, there, were, there were no plans and stuff just kind of naturally evolved from them. Um, so whilst kind of whilst running the business and going through the selling I was doing videos as part of like marketing the business. So um, I had a YouTube channel and as I sold the business, it's really weird, but one of the, one of the first things I, I put on my list of things Pete wants to take with him from selling the business was a YouTube channel that had 500 subscribers. I think it had at the time, which is a really bizarre thing when you're speaking to like most mm. normal business people of like, I want to take a YouTube channel with me. That's, that's just stupid nuts. Why would you, that that's nothing. Um, but I knew like, I'd spent 18 months trying to grow the YouTube channel. So I'd know how much work and time and effort I put into like getting that 500. Um, and I wanted to just continue it. I, I knew video marketing was a thing and YouTube was a thing. And I've seen the, all the people, you know, all the success stories you see of people doing kind of um, YouTube videos. So I thought, well, let's just keep on doing one video a week and just, just see where that goes. And I kind of kept that ticking over whilst we were on the whole lockdown side of things. And then the coaching thing just came to me. Um, naturally just people started approaching me saying, Hey, love what you did with your business. Can you help me do it with yours? Um, mm. and 
yeah, why not? You know, it's, it's great. I get to do all the fun stuff of helping, you know, strategy, marketing, pricing, packaging, all, all the kind of, I basically get to help people run a business without the stress of running a business. It's great. Um, so those kind of things just fell hand in hand and um, kind of a lot of my time properly to each of those. And now essentially I'm doing YouTube two days a week. I coach like a day and a bit a week and I've got a few like courses and stuff at the back of it, but it's um, yes, totally different lifestyle to what we had with, uh, with tech as in the IT business before loving it. Highly nice. recommend it. And with, and with kind of the experiences you've had in running, running your previous business and obviously what you now do with video marketing and stuff, a bit of a, a bit of a, a random question, which I definitely haven't prepped you for is, but do you feel like you have a generalist enough set of skills that you could go into most small businesses and make significant improvements or run them better? Yes, yes and no. It's a very interesting question. I, I, I mean, even right now, I don't think I'm qualified to um, coach or help anybody. Uh, you know, I, I think most business owners themselves, uh, basically, we're just winging it constantly, just mm. making things up as we go along, trying to figure out how to get through the various situations that are thrown at us. Um, I think the thing that's grown on me as I've been doing more of this coaching or mentorship or whatever it's called, um, I, I think I have been realizing i've got some some like value that i know stuff that i didn't know before obviously running the business um certain situations i've been put in um and it's much better for for me um to realize that now i'm doing the coaching thing because we're going through you know horrible situations with some of my coaching clients um like legal issues staff issues client issues um things that would have like really stressed me out when i was running mine um but now i can actually sit back and you know completely detach from the situation and look at things very objectively. And that's something I've never really appreciated because you are just sucked into the, I'm running the business. I need to keep my clients exactly. happy. I need to keep my staff happy and that whole thing. Um, so, oh yeah, one, on one hand, I don't think I'm still qualified to do anything like what I'm doing in, in either business because I'm just still making it up. Um, but on, on the other hand, like I do see there are some fairly obvious things in, in some businesses uh, on, on kind of how to approach certain situations and, and how to fix some things as well. Yeah. And, and I've asked this question to a few folk before, and generally I ask it to generalists who are really good at kind of a, a multitude of thing. And I, I think it's a non-egotistical thing to say, actually, I think that's probably true from my point of view. And that, like, if I walk into a coffee shop, I definitely don't know as much about coffee as the person running that shop, but I know uh, there's a possibility depending on what coffee shop you're going to, I know more about user experience. Uh, about how processes should be in place, how to market that place than maybe than they do. And they might be great at the coffee bit. But I feel like, especially when you go into something that's really chaotic, like a really chaotic coffee shop, and you're like, I don't even know where to stand for my coffee. I'm just like, there's a process here where when you've been dealing with lots of moving parts in a business, you kind of go, okay, I can process this. I can make it friendly for the customer, but I can also make this usable for the staff. And I feel like there's kind of this general subset of skills, which... I think you're probably playing. I feel like you probably have the same having run a very busy IT business that you could lift and move into something like a coffee shop or even like a fish and chip shop. Like there's processes in place and you know how to do that and how you could market that, that maybe, maybe the fish and chip shop down the road doesn't know how to market that because they've been there 50 years and their dad used to run it. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah, yeah, very so. much so. I think fun fundamentally when you boil them down to like the, the kind of key, uh, key areas in each business, you you know, customer service. Absolutely. That's, essentially what an IT business is, is customer service, like through and through. Um, and yeah, you're quite right. That applies to multitudes of other business. Um, and the way I always approached anything with my business is you, you basically look at 
what what does the best you know it company in the world look like what does the best you know like you're saying coffee shops mm. or, or chippy or whatever it is what would the best kind of customer experience look like uh, to you as a customer so that that's certainly one way to approach it and then of course you've got marketing sales everything else i, I never really um even today, I still don't think I'm very good at marketing or sales. I just look at there are problems and I'm here to fix it. So if I can fix that problem, mm. whether that's by, you know, the services that my business offered being the IT business, if we can fix your problem with our services, great, we're a good fit. Let's talk. Mm. Um, but equally, if we're not, then we're not a good fit. Let's kind of leave you and move on to other things. But uh, yeah, there are certainly, like I said before, yeah, there are certainly areas that you can quite easily tag onto and go, actually, yeah, I, I think there are some improvements there. Um, but then likewise, on, on the other side of things, I, I've got this huge um, kind of bugbear about the business coaches that have never actually run their own businesses. And, um, you know, they've, they've been through the training courses to teach them how to run a business. And now they're calling themselves business coaches. And talking that, about I mean, that's coach, literally why you? I call my whole business not a business coach. Yeah. Sorry? You're talking about action coach, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I may or may not be talking about action coaches. I've no idea what you're talking about. Uh, no. <laughs> but I mean, no. yeah, I, literally, I call my whole business not a business coach. I I don't feel qualified. I don't think I have a clue what I'm I'm, I'm talking about. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, but hey, if it can help some people, and even when I'm you know working one to one with people and they they sign up with me, I'm I'm very clear up front. I've run an IT business once. I've sold it once. I've been through this kind of experience once. Uh, I'm having more of them now. I'm working with more companies and coaching other business owners. Um, but I'm by far, I'm not here to double profits and fix all your processes and everything. Like I I'm here just to say, hey, bounce ideas off of me. I'll try and do my best um, as if it was my own business. Um, but yeah, there there's that that kind of kind of people that will go and charge thousands just to say like, have you thought about looking at your profit and loss? Have you thought about yeah. cutting your costs and those kind of things? It's just like, oh, that's that's just... It feels like it's kind of taking advantage of people a little bit too much. It does. It does. Okay. Let's slide on to your three lessons you've learned kind of through your career, through running the business, through what you're doing now. So Pete, what is lesson number one that you want to share with everybody today? So lesson number one has been, and I vastly, vastly underestimated how impactful this could be on my business at the time. But um, when you're running a business, media marketing is like, the be all and end all that's like the biggest most thing you should put all your attention into um, and when i say media marketing i'm talking about videos obviously like podcasts audio um yes to a certain extent the blogs and written and, and those kind of things um less so much doing things like adwords and direct mail campaigns and all the kind of normal stuff that you're taught to do in like you know marketing and business schools but like I, i've people have said it to me before like if you're um say i'm an it business owner actually no you're not you're a media company first you're then an it business second the mm -hmm. the impact that and I'll, I'll talk about video because you know that, that's kind of where i've been led into my kind of journeys but the impact video has made on on my whole career path now is, is absolutely gigantic uh, i i can't like un underestimate that that is an understatement it's, it's huge on my my kind of whole the way my life works now the kind of stuff i'm doing nowadays the, the business opportunities I'm open to all because I'm trying to focus more now on, on video marketing, media marketing, podcasts. It, it's just, and I, I can't say enough. It, it's like, if there's any business out there and you're not doing video, audio podcasts, like you're doing here, Pete, like these things, they work, they, they do the whole, the brand building thing, which I never really appreciated before. Um, mm -hmm. Brand building for me before was always, 
Well, I've got a company letterhead. I've got some business cards. We've got a website. We do some email marketing. Mm. That's brand building. It's like nowhere near brand building. It is like Mm -hmm. brand building is like what someone feels about your company. And the only way you can get people to feel anything about your company is to like put yourself out there, whether that's you as the business owner, whether that's putting your staff on websites and videos and podcasts and audio, like that that whole thing, just getting, um, but it boils down to personality. Personality is the thing that, you know, I want to do business. And this is kind of where we got to with, with techers. I want to do business with people that are are kind of like me, that I I get on with people that are, you know, similar to me. Like I, I don't want to have a load of clients that are just dressed up in suits and they're like spend their whole time. Not, not that I'm kind of stereotyping there at all, but there's a certain category of like, I guess, accountants and solicitors that are just, you know, that's their world. And when it came to stages where I would go into a client's site and they'd be like, Oh, you're, you're wearing an open button shirt. That's not very good. I don't really care about that. I don't, yeah. I don't, I don't know. Can I swear on this? <laughs> you can do what you like. <laughs> I don't really give a shit about people, what, what they wear. I, I care about like mm. the job people do, uh, the service we're offering and, and making sure we're doing a good thing. So, you know, certainly for us, I, I didn't care what people wore. Um, I think there's a certain level of standard when, you know, we were going out to, to site to customers to make sure we were at least branded and wearing kind of shirts, but yeah, yeah, I, I don't really care. So, just just getting that across it's a lot easier when you're putting out video marketing when i'm you know wearing what i'm wearing and i'm just saying hey we're in our office this is what we're doing today or you know this this is yep. what we're trying to do for our staff or for our, for our clients you get across the the culture thing the ethics the ethos behind your business just everything comes out when you're doing that level of marketing which completely doesn't when you're just like doing paperclick of like buy our stuff like, no one cares yeah, yeah. no one wants to buy I, your stuff um and i, I think more so than ever, that yeah. personal brand. I could run forever, um, by the way. The, no, I know you're clearly passionate, and that personal brand has become really important. And I think with with that video marketing thing, it's interesting. It's you you touched on it there, and I, I've thought about it before, and I think I've had this conversation with with my business partner. Is that you you almost need to think of a business in now now and you know now as being a content company which has other things that it does right so as steadfast we should yeah. we sh- one of our things is we should be a content company to the point where i would like to get to the stage where we can justify having a community manager and a full tent a full-time content person like that that would be my dream someone who can work on videos and edit and all that kind of stuff um and it, they seem as weird hires and i know my accountant would be like that's a bizarre hire for a for a web development company but ultimately it, it's that marketing function isn't it and, and i think as we starting to see but what we have found is that's a, that's a hard position to hire. So you need someone who has the ability to edit sound, edit video, know how to make an Instagram reel. And generally they are your younger generation who are doing it in their own personal lives, you know, who are doing it with their, with their mates and stuff who are kind of now starting to come through the ranks. Um, and the other th- thing I thought of there is the wonderful thing about video and podcasts is, you know, getting a blog post out, it can be hard work, right? There's research involved. There's all of those things. But if you sit down with someone who's knowledgeable for half an hour, an hour and talk to them, you then give that to a copywriter. They could get three blog posts out of that. No problem. Like you, you've instantly just made yourself a bu- bunch of content. And I know it's a little cliche to, to reference Gary V, but he does talk about this idea of the content pyramid where you want your business owner to have kind of the least amount of effort, but have the most amount of impact. And if they can do say a, a 30 minute podcast and you can turn that into clips and podcasts and, and whatnot, you've instantly just kind of 
multiplied the amount of media you have out of that one thing and, and video and podcasts are great for that. We had a very similar thing with, with um, the IT businesses that, you know, you, you create that one piece of, for, for me, it was video content. It was always, always led by video content. That doesn't mean it has to be video for, for other people. Um, but you create that piece of video content once, like, like you're saying there, and then there'll be a VA or an apprentice or like a marketing mm -hmm. member of the team that would then take that video content and create a blog post out of it, create uh, an email kind of mail shot out of that. They'd, that would go into our newsletter. So that would be, you know, if we're putting out a short newsletter every single month with two or three articles in it, those videos, we're putting out a video a week, that fills up the newsletter content. You don't have to sit there and try and come up with this mm. new content, fill out your newsletters. So it is very much about minimizing the amount of work you do. Um, and the way I've always looked at, you know, kind of media marketing and content marketing and those kind of things is everyone has their own preferred kind of medium of like digesting information, whether that is watching a video, listening to your podcasts, um, reading blog posts, reading emails, whatever it is. So you want to be putting out the same message through all of those different mediums, because mm -hmm. we have so many times where we've gone into um, our meetings with our clients and our clients have said like, oh, I wish you told us that. I was like, well, we have. We've sent you an email. We've made a video. We've done a podcast. And you've ignored all yeah. of it. And you've waited until we've been in one-to-one -one, like meetings for you to kind of listen to me. So it's just making sure that you are literally there covering all the bases, saying the same message, um, and that kind of that kind of format of just doing it once at the top and it filtering down works works so, so well for doing that. Yeah. And obviously you're sat in a very nice studio there. You've got your fancy lights and your fancy camera and all that stuff, which is great because obviously it's what you do. But I think it's probably worth noting is that, you know, whatever business you do, you probably have, it's likely you have a 4K camera in your pocket and all you need to do is add some good audio and a tripod and you've got something which is good enough to at least get going. Do you know what I mean? Like most people have the equipment nearby that they could at least start. Yeah, there's this and whole thing. Um, it's, it's, it's interesting because the whole world of like thing. TikToks, Instagrams, and all the short side of things. Um, th there's been some interesting studies done already that um, you know some of these, some of these massive creators that are, you know have all this stuff like way beyond what I've got even. Um, their videos where they're just shot with their mobile phone will vastly outperform the the professional stuff because it's just more accessible to people because they can you know mm. oh, I could shoot that. Um, so it's more more watchable. Um, but yeah, you, you're quite right. I I think every business should be doing it, whether it is a mobile phone or, or kind of going the whole hog and, and buying stuff. Um, but I think there's a good place for, for both of the content, certainly for the, you know, and, and this is, I think, fundamentally the other, the other issue I see with a lot of video marketers. They put a lot of effort into creating video content that just talks about them and their business and, and more like a, um, you know, for, for IT companies, here's the latest Microsoft Teams update thing here's sure. some cybersecurity things that you should be doing in your business yeah. no one gives a shit about like it stuff honestly like they just it needs to work and when it doesn't work yeah. they need someone to phone that can fix it what they do care about is the stuff that's like going on behind the scenes in your business like well yeah what kind of business are you like what, what are you doing in your spare time what what you know what your staff up to how are they treated how are your clients treated you know, the kind of the it is really lifting the curtain and showing behind the scenes because that's the bit that attracts people. Everyone knows yeah. most IT, com IT companies are the same, but actually, if that person is genuinely a nice person, I'd rather yeah. work with them than this random company that's just like marketing to me. Um, and the same, really, in, in terms of like media, the same goes into like the, the downloadable resources and templates and things like the uh, I don't know, ten things to look for in an IT provider, or you know, taking it back to like. 
10 things to um, look for in a good cup of coffee. I always yep. know that by the time I've reached the end of those things, it's going to basically say, come and buy it from me because we do it right. I don't really care about downloading that kind of stuff. Whereas if um, sure. what I've been saying with this load of my clo- coaching clients recently, the thing that people are caring about right now, certainly in the UK anyway, are like energy bills. So if you can put out mm-hmm. something and I've not seen anyone really do this yet. And to be honest, I'm so busy. I haven't had a chance put out a bit of content that says this is how much like an average computer laptop monitor in your in your office is going to cost you in electricity how much is it going to cost now versus how much is it going to cost in in mm. the middle of winter december and january and then here are some more affordable options more efficient options that could reduce those running costs so you suck up maybe a bit of overhead now buying buying the thing but you're going to save more energy in the future things like that like things that show you actually care about the things that are on the minds of every business owner that's yeah. the stuff that will work and will make like i, I download that I know I've probably got a, a kettle and a microwave and a, I mean, I've got so many things on in this room right now. It's, it's just nuts. But there are things where I could go, oh, hang on. That is quite old. That is really inefficient. Let's actually yeah. go and look at replacing some of these things. Oh, here's a handy guide. He's got the things. He's got the pricing. I'm just going to go buy from this guy because he's obviously done the done the work. It's those things yeah. that make a difference, not the constantly buy my stuff because no one, yeah, like I said, no one cares. Sorry, that was a really that- long rant. <laughs> No, I like it. I like it. Um, let's, uh, let's move on to lesson number two, Pete. Lesson number two for me was, um, it's a very short lesson, but not every customer is right for me. And that is something that I probably learned later than I should have when I was running. I mean, everyone kind of learns it later, I guess, than they should have, but pay attention when there are signs of somebody not being a good fit. They're asking slightly weird questions or you just don't get that good kind of vibe from somebody. Um, Mm -hmm. I remember walking into some of our clients and, um, you know, we'd, we'd go through meeting after meeting and they'd be like, Oh, I need to speak speak to my directors. And then you come back and forth. And I I remember coming into one client and I sat down finally with all of those directors in the room. And they were asking me some very, very strange questions of like, why are we so expensive? Like, why do we feel we need that? Like, uh, uh, do we have any qualifications are we keeping up with our qualifications, which are kind of fair questions, but they were just asked in a like a, a really weird way. And I just basically left the room saying, look, if, if you think we're expensive now, then you are going to hate us when we quote you for a replacement server because your server's going <laughs> to die in the next one to two years because of that age. Um, so I don't think we're going to be a good fit because you are not going to like me when I send you the quote. So um assuming that that is a fair assessment then i think we should part our separate ways i can even help you find somebody else um yeah but thank you very much and and that's it and we had a few other situations where we didn't do that and it went horribly wrong where we'd you know take clients on board and it would just be question after question we send them invoices they'd be questioning the invoices they'd be arguing like 10 pound charges on an invoice and it's just it wasn't worth my time to argue because it costs more in my argument than it does to yeah just give the money back um so it just became very very quickly apparent of look if you just don't think they're a good fit then move on there are plenty of other clients out there um plenty of other prospects to just focus your efforts on those that are very keen to do business with you and and it links very much in with the um the whole like the the piece before that video marketing because that does start attracting brands to and companies to work with you like they've done all the research they know who you are they know your business all they want to do is work with you so you know those people are already like pre-qualified at that point um, but yeah, yeah if, if you find people aren't a good fit, just ignore them. Not Don't ignore them, but just like put them to one side, yeah. let them know they're not a good fit and move on. And, and sometimes 
sometimes people are a right fit and then they become a wrong fit. Sometimes you outgrow them. Sometimes they outgrow you and, and that's completely fine. Sometimes you just got to like lovingly let go of somebody and that's not a problem. And, um, I guess one more, one more thought on that is when you are in a good financial position, when you have looked after your finances and you know that this contract isn't the one that makes or breaks whether or not you're, mm. you're doing bonuses at Christmas or whatever is when you don't take on shitty clients. It's when, you know, there's a pandemic looming or when something awful, you know, when you're in a bad financial situation is when you get desperate and it's those, that desperation then leads to taking on the wrong clients, which then leads to projects overrunning and it just kind of goes wrong and you get yourself into a bit of a spiral. But if you can be in a stable position enough, you actually, like you said, no, you're not a right fit or you're not happy with our day rate. We're not willing to drop it. Um, then it's a win-win because ultimately you're better off servicing slightly less people properly. Uh, and, and also keeping the team happy. No one loves, no one wants to work with those clients who are, who are red flaggers. Um, so yeah, it's important for retention as well. But there was a very key point there. And I, I think I'm okay to say it because it's been quite some time past and they probably aren't watching this. But um, I remember when one of my guys left and he was probably one of the guys I should have sacked in all honesty, like a lot earlier. Um, but he, he left the business and one of the guy, one of my other guys turned around to me and said, I'm so glad he's gone. I was going to like actually turn around and thump him one. Um, he was annoying me that much and causing so much like disruption to the, the office. And like wow. when, when that happened and that person said it to me, I was just gobsmacked of like, Shit, I, I should have done something way mm. sooner than i did before um because yeah you're quite right like, negative people can have such a big impact on your business um yeah and it's important just to get rid of those people uh, as soon mm -hmm. as you can like it, even uh, and there's this whole thing like even if it's like your top performing person but they are so negative and they're pulling everyone else down there's a there's a real kind of barrier to get over there but they have to go as well like you can't have the best person basically getting away with whatever they want because they're you know the, the highest earner in the business or whatever it might be um that's a yeah, huge challenge in itself um yeah but there, but pay attention like what your staff are telling you if you know your staff aren't getting on then dig into it into it and find out why and, and yeah resolve it some good lessons there okay let's go on to your third and final lesson pete third and final lesson has only really come from going from my business that was i guess all consuming to a certain extent i you know mm. everyone starts their business and they're like it's gonna be wonderful i'm gonna have holidays when i want i'm gonna take time off when i want <laughs> i'm gonna do what i want it's gonna be great and then you start getting customers, then you start getting uh, staff, and then you just get pulled left, right, and center. Your staff want to see you certain times. They want to like, ask you questions constantly. You get clients that are demanding meetings and you know whatever it's going to be. And you slowly get sucked into this world that is not anything like you designed or imagined, where you're basically mm. just working nine to five again, probably more than that because you're doing outside of working hours to do all the other things whilst you're being distracted by clients and staff whilst you're doing the day-to-day -day stuff. Um, so as of selling the business and as of starting these kind of new things now, I've been very, very strict with what I'm doing. Like for me, my Thursdays are reserved purely for back to back coaching calls. I don't do any calls outside of Thursday. I'm literally like nine to 6 PM. I have back to back phone calls. That's my coaching done. And once that's full, I don't take on any more clients. The thing mm -hmm. I had with my coaching is I became full and I was like, Oh, I, I really like want to, I want to help more people, but I can't because I, thursdays are my coaching days so what i then started doing was okay well let's carve out wednesday afternoon i'm going to now create courses and video material and like resources and templates mm. and stuff i'm going to do that on wednesday afternoons nothing wednesday morning nothing on friday just just wednesday afternoons and with wednesday afternoon over six months to a year 
I've basically been able to create a, a course that, you know, I think about 30 or 40 people have now signed up to um, wow. with just pumped full of like 150 plus videos with like, you know, for, certainly for me around my like niche of IT, it's like how to run an IT business, how to market it, all those kind of things. Mm. Then on my YouTube side of things, I'm like, Mondays are my scripting days, Tuesdays are my shooting days. And I don't do stuff outside of that at all. And doing that has really, really helped me out just being able to, um, you know, I turn away work if you're already flawed with work and, and, you know, you've already kind of filled in your nine to five, so to speak, don't just say yes to everything. And it's, it's such a common thing, certainly in the IT world. And I'm sure with every business of, um, you know, a client says, you know, you sent them a quote. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll go ahead. I'll do it straight away. And you already know in the back of your mind, you're like, well, I've got 10 other clients I've just said yes to. And I all told them that it's going to happen tomorrow. So how the hell do I now deliver 10 clients at once? It is such a simple process to fix. No one really cares if you say, actually, I can't do it until Thursday or next week or next month. They just care that they know when it's going to happen. So mm. having this kind of um, like just, just structure in place where your default answer is, um, you know, my, our next availability is mm -hmm. whenever it's going to be. You let your clients know you aren't putting any stress on yourself. The bonus being that you now have a steady stream of work that you know is billable because the work's coming in and they're paying for those projects maybe. So you're not overloaded. You've got a steady stream of work. You've got a steady stream of income. And if you do find yourself, you know, two or three months booked out in advance, then, you know, actually, I've got such a steady stream of work that I can afford to hire a second person. So now you can deliver yeah. two projects at once. And that brings the timescales down. But equally, they're all paid for projects. So it's just a really good way of kind of carefully allowing the work into your business without overloading yourself, without overloading your staff. And it just makes you just happier overall. Like I know, yes, you could probably you could probably earn more money if you wanted to take on 10 clients at once and sign them up. But actually, their experience is going to be very good. You're going to be mm -hmm. you know, stressing your nuts off because you're going to be like working until midnight every single night. So just take it slowly, take time and just uh, time block your calendar, essentially, like time block your time for, for doing mm -hmm. specific tasks and don't do those tasks outside of those times. Like wait for it and come around again next week. And then you take care mm. of them. Like I, I literally, like I have uh, 12 o'clock say, I have a, an hour window where I send um, bonjouros. It's like a, this video thing where I fire up my phone, I hold it up and I say, hey, thanks for signing up to my newsletter or thanks for buying my course, or whatever it's going to be. Thanks for signing up as a, a coaching client. I have a window of one hour a week. And if a client signs up now, which is like two hours after I've done it, I don't send them a video until like next week, which isn't great in all honesty, but I don't want to be stressed out and like just constantly having to check my phone, constantly send them videos, yeah. like wherever I am, whenever I am, just like working the evening. I've got my time allocated and mm. that's it. And it, it's just so much easier. I've never had someone be disappointed because they got something a week later, which, you know, I could have delivered sooner. It's just not worth it. Wow, that is, that's some really good advice. I was involved about 10 years ago. I was involved very lightly um, in a acquisition. Um, and when the final bit was happening and, and kind of assets were being transferred, the guy said to the other gentleman who was buying the business, his, his one piece of advice was just don't be greedy. Don't take on more than you need to, because it will come back to bite you in the ass. And it's true, isn't it? Like, you know, you, you feel it. And ultimately, you know, similar here at Steadfast, if we were looking to, to, to grow the business, to, to exit, I think my working patterns would look pretty different. But ultimately, I finish at 5 p.m. because I want to go eat dinner with my daughter. And that's okay. Yeah. I don't need to work till 9 p.m. because that's the business we built. Um, our, the expectation for our team is that no one has Slack or email on their phone 
because I don't want them checking their email in the evening because that's not the sort of business we've built. Um, yeah, we have protocols for emergencies and we have all sorts of things like that in place, but there's absolutely no need in the business we built for people to be working outside of their normal allotted hours because who wants to be doing that? There's other things to be doing in life, right? Um, so but I find like the efficiencies thing as well. Like if you're, if you're restricting yourself to like the working hours and, and you're getting stacked up with work, it only focuses you more on figuring out how to make those processes more efficient or automation or whatever it's going to be. If your default response is, well, I can just work another hour this evening and, and, you know, I can yeah. fix that. That doesn't really fix any problems because all you're doing is taking on more work. So yeah, mm -hmm. restricting those hours, um, really certainly for me, certainly with, you know, with these businesses, has made me way more efficient, you know, whether that's delegation, outsourcing, automations, tools like Zapier or Zapier, however you call it, things that can literally say, you know, take a process over here and push data and do things over here as well. It's things like that are just, yeah, worth their weight in gold. Yeah. And just learning when to outsource things, right? Like I don't need to do this, get a bookkeeper, yeah. do this, you know, there's, there's times and places where you go, actually, I would rather make slightly less money and have somebody else do all of those things that I just don't enjoy and are time consuming and that's fine. Um, but yeah, I think Pete, what would be good is if you could just wrap up the, the three lessons, um, and then, and then, yeah, we'll leave it there. Cool. Yeah. So, uh, lesson one, media marketing first, make sure you're kind of a, a content machine, I guess, in all, all certain extent. Um, me lesson two was that not every, every client is right for you, like make the decision and figure out which ones are a good fit and which ones aren't. And then lesson three was essentially time blocking, just allocate your time, stick to it. Mm. And then learn to kind of be more efficient and delegate and outsource um, when you need to. Uh, yeah, those are the, the three things for this week. That's so good. Thanks, Pete. And um, where can people find you online if they want to ask any further questions or kind of see what you're up to? Uh, everywhere. So I'm, I'm on LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, just Pete Matheson on YouTube. I've got two YouTube channels. So Pete Matheson's my like main consumer one. I've got Not a Business Coach, which is my like IT side of things and then it's petemasson.co.uk and uh, sorry petemasson.com and not a business coach.com yeah all the things thank you <laughs> perfect well oh, thanks so much for being a guest thanks for being a guest it's been a pleasure to talk to you and um i will be back next week with another dear unexpected entrepreneur podcast thanks very much <laughs>